Patootie Patooties with the big juicy booties. <laughs> that's aimed directly well, at us. That's aimed directly at was... my pet. <laughs> oh, I thought that was solely me. But okay. Oh, well, you can all you can all have it today. Oh, thank you. Welcome to the Weirding Hour. We are weird people. We talk about weird shit. Uh, and we take the piss out of each other in weird ways. And at the same time, we make a weird craft, half-arsed craft, craft, craft-arsed. I am hosting this week, and my name is Nina. I'm Mimi. I'm Bothwell. I'm Rhea. Yes, Bothwell is back again. She's Woo-hoo. dipping in, dipping in and out, making as many as she can because she loves it. She, she loves do. you guys. She doesn't want to leave you. I don't. And I come here for Nina's compliments because they're so meaningful to me with my yes. juicy booty. <laughs> Which <laughs> actually, now that I've just said it, it's gross. <laughs> but juice. Okay, anyway, let's not. Oh. If it yeah. was gross, why would people walk around wearing beautiful velour trousers that advertise the fact that their butt is juicy? Well, that is basically scientific evidence. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Point proven. We know you love the evidence. You love yeah. the evidence-based. Especially when it's from the velour. <laughs> Law-based evidence. Yeah. So, this week, we are talking about natural phenomena. Ooh. Um, and we are crafting with digital stuff. We're going to make some stuff. Digital stuff. On Digitally. Some, some kind of screen. And you get to see it at the end. What a treat. Can't wait. So, uh, who is going first today? I believe it is Mimu. It's me. What natural phenomena do you have for us today? Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about black holes. Ooh. Oh, what? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Um, and the whole way through, the urge to resist a your mum joke is going to be really, really high. So enjoy that. I will not hold myself back. <laughs> OK, you know, just tell us how you really feel. Um, so, yeah, doing this research made my brain hurt uh, because there was a lot of physics involved. But what I'm going to do is like try and dumb it down for you, Nina, so that someone like you can understand. Nah, Mimi's a science. She's being Bothwell. Like <laughs> Bothwell. Nerd. So imagine, if you will, that space-time is a flat, stretched rubber sheet. And if you imagine you place an object on this sheet, uh, it sinks a little. The bigger the object, or the kind of more dense the object that you put on the sheet, the deeper it sinks, and the deeper that well of sinking sheet becomes the more that like space distorts around it and basically black holes create such deep wells in space that nothing has enough energy to climb out of the well that they create and that is like any type of matter radiation light they just num 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 (laughs) suck everything up Um, and they're also known as tombs of matter which is like the most fucking goth thing I have yeah. ever heard. Yeah, that, that is, is literally a Swedish metal. Band. Yeah. <laughs> that has got to be. If it's not, copyright, 
Yeah, we started in that band. <laughs> it's us. Um, so we, we, I say we, like again, I'm part of the scientific community. Scientists believe that black holes are formed from the nuclear reactions that occur when big burning stars run out of fuel and they die and there's a big explosion. Some stuff gets like thrown out into space and that's the big pretty supernova thing. And then the remainder of the core of the star collapses and that is your black hole. Just an observation, but Big Bernie Stars sounds like some sort of old-fashioned Hollywood producer. <laughs> big Bernie Stars, eh? <laughs> nice hands, Brad. Um, so at the centre of a black hole, you would find something called a singularity. And this is a place where the curvature in space-time is infinite and therefore has infinite density, like your mum. <laughs> uh, number uh, one then, that's, that's the first one we should get a thousand. <laughs> play along listeners at home get your your mum bingo cards out <laughs> um so where space time is in the curvature in space time is infinite and therefore has infinite density the laws of physics are literally obliterated like they do they do not play ball like the rest of the natural world if I go in there, can I skate super sick? Well, that's a very nice segue, Nina, because Ooh. what I'd like to describe to you today is what scientists believe would happen if you did get sucked into a black hole. Oh, my God. I love cool. this so much. So there's this thing called the event horizon, and that is basically the point of no return. So once you cross over the event horizon towards a black hole, you ain't coming out. So I'm gonna that's, that's the drop in. Yeah, that's the drop in at the at the skate cosmic park. skate park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you ain't going back. You're just gonna land on your ass at the bottom of a black hole and probably die. So uh, for the purposes of this segment, I'm gonna ignore all of the dangers of deep space travel because I think you'd run into quite a few dangers even just getting to the black hole on purpose. Mm-hmm. So quite like their names, black holes are dark most of the time, but when they feed on nearby gases and stars, they flare into this intense activity and they pump out huge amounts of radiation and they heat up. The like surrounding space heats up to like millions of degrees. And this is something called an active quasar state. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and that is literally the brightest recorded thing in the universe. Um, so even though I it's haven't like... seen me smile, thank you very much. <laughs> Sponsored by Crest White Strips. <laughs> For those of you at home who've never seen Bothwell's teeth, they are quite brilliant in all senses of the word. Babe, thanks. So let's say, for the purpose of argument, that the black hole that we're talking about isn't doing flashy, flashy, bright stuff. Um, and we're going to chuck Rhea in. Oh. I just presumed she'd be there. You know, Rhea. Infinite darkness. I, look. Nothingness. <laughs> I, Rhea. No, I don't want to be near a black hole. Gee. Well, you were last night. Hey. hey. At your talking. mom's place. <laughs> There's two. <laughs> Are we talking about Rhea, the Rhea that we all know and tolerate? What, or a flightless or bird you spent in, sent into space? <laughs> No, the moon. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, when you the became moon. the moon. Oh yeah, that's true. No, this uh, is literally no regular here. Yeah. She's oh. not regular. She's very special to us. Thank you. So, Rhea, if we chucked you in on the outer edges of the black hole as you're approaching, yeah. you would start to experience a slowing of time as compared to us who are watching you from a safe distance. Um, mm. And if by some impossible miracle that you got sucked back, sucked back out to safety through the process. She could if, if your then... mum was there. Hey. She can suck. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, She's not yeah, if sorry. We, if your mum sucked Rhea back out halfway through this process. <laughs> um, you you'd be having a good time. You'd be having a, a great day. Also, bonus, you wouldn't have aged as much as the people watching you. Oh, well, time great. Time would have literally slowed. Oh, that sorry, trauma where's, sounds totally worth place? it. Is it <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I Boswell. book it? Well, Is there a spa? There's a spa at the center of the black hole. That's what everybody's trying to get to. Yeah, I thought so. And so this this whole thing, and this is when my brain started to hurt, and I decided that in the 15 minutes that I wanted to talk to you about this, I probably wasn't going to be able to explain the theory of relativity. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> but also I had to understand it first, and that wasn't going to happen either. Um, but basically, time is affected by how fast you're going at extreme speeds. So gravity and speed and time just is completely warped at these places. It's nuts. So once Rhea had stopped aging, yeah. the, the next thing that would happen to her would be the extremely painful experience of spaghettification. Oh, no, I don't want to be spaghettified. Thank well, you. What an amazing word. I know. Oh, I, am this... I going to be a delicious ragu? Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's what we brought in our Tupperware to the black hole <laughs> to put on the rear spaghetti is a lovely passata. It's going to be delicious. So spaghettification, believe it if you will, is an actual term popularised by the absolute legend Stephen Hawking. Um, and this is where the intense gravity in the black hole would vertically stretch rear and horizontally compress her into a long, thin spaghetti-like structure uh, so are we so Rhea you going in feet first or head first oh come on <laughs> um, yeah head first because hopefully I won't be able to breathe for that much longer oh that's dark oh, well we'll come on to that <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so assuming you've gone in head first the gravitational pull at your head is stronger than at your toes so that is basically what's pulling you into this meaty rear ribbon oh. um, so this would obviously very slowly but firmly separate your bones oh. muscles, connective tissues like right down to like molecule level can okay. i have your clothes because they're not going to fit anymore yeah yeah you might as well i mean once you've sent me off into space uh i i'm assuming that you you, you can have everything oh okay cool yes. yeah awesome. you probably want to give will a heads up Oh, dibs on Will. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you'd be in an immense pain and then you'd be like super dead quite, quite soon. So um, the spaghetti piece of Rhea, it would literally be to the extent of like every single molecule of her body like, in lined one up, long row. One by one. 
Yeah, yeah theoretically. Obviously, we don't exactly know. So that's in quite a like a mid-sized black hole. Um, oh, like your mum. No, no, she's a supermassive black hole. <laughs> not going to chuck you into a supermassive straight away. Well, it Sorry. would be far more cruel if we did throw her into a supermassive black hole because you could survive longer. Oh, what? So even though they're like bigger and their gravity is stronger, their stretching forces are weaker because they are spread so far over that space time. Uh. So in theory, scientists believe that you could actually get like through to the event horizon, past the event horizon and to the point of the singularity and potentially still be alive because you're not being spaghettified quite as much. So you wouldn't survive the whole that process. Long, but it would be longer. Yeah. More painful, more drawn out. You're yeah. you're you're still being drawn out like spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. Also, Rhea, you don't want to survive because think about just how hard it is to buy jeans these days anyway. <laughs> You'd have I, to buy a tube. I can you? once once the process starts, I d I don't think I'm going to care about living um i think i think very much i'm going to be like no no i'm 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 not coming back from this can this finish quicker uh, <laughs> and we say no but, put her in a bigger black hole uh, <laughs> more spaghetti i was gonna say think about all the different plastic straws you could wear as a tire but we've gotten rid of those so you, you'd be fucked well quite I also think plastic straws are a little bit bigger than molecules and atoms, but <laughs> a I tiny guess. bit. It's a my science bit. degree. It's a out. loose. It's a loose fit. Come on. Oh, loose, what did the French say? The looser the fit, the sexier the feel. Did, no. Did, no? What? I think that is. Any French people, please, please call in. Yeah, and because make me sound not what crazy. the fuck? <laughs> Like in fashion, it's supposed to be like the not, amorphous. They're not talking about a body part then. No, I don't think they're talking about being stretched into a piece of meat spaghetti by a black hole. I'm not sure that's what the fashionistas in Paris were thinking about at that time. But, but now you've given them a heads up. So, yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you want to be super thin, black hole. <laughs> um, so in theory, Rhea, if you survive this long, you could see out into surrounding space, but no one would be able to see you because of the distortion. And if you had on your spacesuit, we put a little torch on it so you could shine a light out and try and attract attention like they do like when you crash a plane and they give you the little torch to be like, help me. Oh. We give her the little whistle as well, like in the, the end of Titanic. Whistle. So she's like, peep, peep, with their frozen Come fingers. Come back. <laughs> um, but if you did have a little torch, Rhea, and yeah. you tried to shine it to attract our attention, like, I'm still alive, please save me. Um, the light would just be sucked back in and would just fall back into the singularity with you. So we would never be able to see it. Oh. Um, yeah. So and if light can't escape, nothing can travel faster than the the speed of light in our known universe. Um, of course, escape for you, like actual matter, would be completely impossible. So you're stuck in there forever with no hopes of escape or uh, attracting anyone's attention. Oh, well. I hope they've got like a gift shop or something. <laughs> Yeah. We'll we'll just chuck like a can of chickpeas down there every couple of weeks. Yeah, that would, be, that would be super helpful if you could write me as well. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll write on the cans like, hey, dude, Ugh. I might not write, but I will send amusing gifts. Oh, mm. Well, that that will be lovely. I'm a, I'm a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're so selfless. I always thought that about you. Yeah. Um, 
So thankfully, Ria, the extreme gravitational forces at the centre of the black hole would probably like entirely ruin you. Um, hopefully, because otherwise you would. Hopefully, because otherwise you just exist in a lawless environment, devoid of everything for all of time, and because of gravity's effect on time, time would essentially stop. Also, yeah. it would be extremely slow. So mm-hmm. it's basically a hellscape. Yay! So that's black holes. Woo! So where do we land on Rhea going? We I'm do not going. Oh, okay. Oh, Don't boring. Well, I think we all knew that already because <laughs> of how I feel about space travel. Yeah, it's true. We, you have said yeah. no space, no sea. Yeah. Yeah, no, no space. space, no underwater. Rhea refuses to go places where people can't naturally breathe for some reason. I mean, it's almost like she's got a very strong instinct to live. But also, we we talked about this on a previous podcast, and it's like you've seen the size of spaceships. You know, when they show you and, and you you look at the Earth and you're like, oh, that is amazing. This view is amazing. I am seeing the universe. I think that would wear off after like day three, four. Yeah, I, yeah, you, long. I can't cope on uh, flights for longer than an hour. Oh, so on, on a plane, like I can't. So going into space, into something much smaller than that, I'd be the fucking worst that's why you're going in the black hole because you've annoyed us so much <laughs> because you are out fucking worse i'd be like i'm so bored can we do something <laughs> why is there nothing in here this is really small i can't go for a walk what ah <laughs> yeah. and we'd be like can you jerry can you just swing us around past that black hole please? <laughs> yeah, to make a right. quick stop you know little little refuse dump yeah, yeah, like Rhea, you can you can stretch your legs here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, literally, hey. stretch them like they've never been stretched before. <laughs> I really enjoyed that, Mimi. Yeah, You're so welcome. Imagining Rhea turn into a big long piece of spaghetti was just the thing I needed. I think Snoper just l- learning that spaghettification is a word was yeah. a joy. I'm a find a way to drop that in somewhere. <laughs> Maybe at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> or I was thinking more like a threat. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to want to get a fight. You could get a fight. Cool. Um, Bothwell, cool. what natural phenomenon do you have for us? Now, some might say I've taken the topic and uh, gone off at a oh, different oh, angle. Oh, <laughs> I would say that. Say that. Um, probably all of you three. But anyway, so I am going to talk to you today about the Mary Celeste. What? I know what you're thinking. Hey, now, that's supernatural phenomenal. But wait, there are several theories as to what happened on the Mary Celeste, and some of them are a kind of natural phenomena based theme. So I'm going to talk about those. Tenuous, as always. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. You win the Tenuous Award, which... We decided it was going to be something completely irrelevant, like a Wellington boot. Yeah, it should be. Something tenuous. None of mine, though, because I've only got two <laughs> boots. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Because well, most people have three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's fair. So, for people who might not be aware of it, like, where have you been? But basically, in the year, some year, 
I found an article on this and it says 145 years ago, but I don't know when the article was written. So I'll look that up in a minute. Um, the Mary Celeste was found adrift by a British ship called, now I think it's, so it's spelt day, like as in Opus Day, Gratia. So I'm going to say day Gratia, but it could be die Gratia. I don't know. Anyway, on board the ship, there was six months supply of food and water. All of the crew's belongings were still there and most of the cargo was still intact. So essentially a bit like going into someone's house and everything is there that like they've just finished cooking a meal. What? They're living there. They've left their mobile phone. <gasps> yeah. They did. They did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when the guys got there, they were like, uh, this is weird. Some of the things that were strange, one of the ship's pumps had been disassembled. And there was nearly three and a half feet of water in the bottom of the ship. The only lifeboat was missing. However, the 10 people who had originally been on the ship were never seen again. Was the lifeboat so, ever seen again? Was the lifeboat ever seen again? Uh, no. Okay. No. So there are lots of kind of non-natural phenomena theories, which are kind of range around mutiny, insurance fraud, pirates um that they, they were actually attacked by their rescuers which must be really nice if you go to help somebody and <laughs> then the police are like wait a minute you did it um <laughs> but yeah there are also some natural phenomena theories so i'm going to talk about them so the first one i'm going to talk about is the, the uh, phenomena of a water spout <laughs> not to, not not like a cutesy tea spout this is something very different so this is basically the equivalent of an oceanic tornado so they exist basically from kind of the top of the sea and can extend up for depending on like 50 to hundreds of feet tall. So a violent water spout might explain the disappearance of the ship's crew. Um, the idea being that the state of the ship when found um, was kind of seaworthy, but worse for wear. The sails were a bit ragged. There was water in the ship's bilge. Um, and what could have happened is that a water spout could have caused low barometric pressure, which could have forced water from the bilge up into the ship's pumps. Um, because of this, the crew might have been like, oh shit, it's taking on water. We need to get out of here. Let's get in the lifeboat. Actually not realizing that the water that they'd taken on was not going to kind of be enough to sink the ship. Yeah. But I get that. I could I could see me panicking yeah. in that situation. Right. Um, Water coming on your ship, getting yeah. a lifeboat. Bye. Yeah. These things are like if you have a chance to look at it uh, online, go and have a look. They are amazing. Um, they actually look like some. I, I I can't explain. It's like when you see a tsunami. You know, it just almost looks like it it isn't real. But obviously, the devastation that they can cause is pretty. It's pretty horrendous. So um, it's like like a a water tornado. Yeah. Like a whirlpool, but up. Yes, and above the could, water. Could it theoretically suck up a shark? As per Sharknado. <laughs> we do not speak of sharks. Oh, sorry, I said the bad Rule word. number one. <laughs> Secondly, I mean, I kind of guess so. Mm. Um, yeah, so of kind of like water spout incidents, they are quite rare, um, but there are like notable examples. So in 1555, there was the Malta tornado which resulted in a deadly water spout and it's drunk it's drunk it's drunk you're word. drunk <laughs> your mum's drunk yeah <laughs> number five <laughs> so 
It struck the Grand Harbour of Valletta and it sunk four galleys and numerous boats and claimed hundreds of lives. So it's pretty devo. So yeah, I'm guessing mm. it could pick up a shark and throw it somewhere. Hooray. <laughs> if it's in the trash. It's <laughs> added a new fear to Bothwell yeah. there. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, in Sharknado, obviously, they're somehow apparently surviving in there. Whereas the idea of a shark just being like <laughs> thrown a great distance and landing Whack. on land, to well, me, is to, fine. To be fair, sharks have been designed to withstand many conditions that other like fish uh, can't. So, you know, they, they are the ultimate survival machine. So I really do think they could survive in a water spout and become the ultimate Sharknado. Uh, but Bob's <laughs> is not happy with that. <laughs> so let's edit that out for a start so it just doesn't exist. Um, fun fact about water spout before I go back to my Mary Celeste story. But they can sometimes suck up small fish. Um, Thank you, and so small fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say as insults go not your best <laughs> it's not my worst <laughs> but they can literally be carried all the way up through the water spout so that they are basically just in the clouds and the fish in the cloud can kind of be carried over, over the land sort of buffeted up and down as per the winds and then just randomly dropped somewhere so you can get a little phenomena called raining fish it's oh. not very common when it happens and sometimes really they land back in the sea so that's quite nice you looked fraught so I wanted to say but obviously some of them not so much so we have water spout theory one second theory sea quakes so as you might imagine a sea quake is the water equivalent of kind of like an earthquake what happens is an earthquake happens on the seabed um, and the kind of resulting turbulence and damage that would have been caused by this, you know, sort of sea quake because of its placement might have um, damaged the cargo of denatured alcohol. Mm. That just, I don't want to drink that. No. It's an unappealing title. What, what, um, what is that? Oh, I, oh, I'm supposed to look up everything, am I? Every single fact. <laughs> Jesus. I it's thought you Wikipedia. were going to say it was like non-alcoholic alcohol. <laughs> Sorry, what? Non-alcoholic alcohol. <laughs> Have you been having some non-alcoholic alcohol? Oh, it's, it's, it's methylated spirit. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, so should drink it or shouldn't drink it? No, no. drinky is fuel. <laughs> okay. I mean, have you had WKDs? No, anyway. Um, so the idea is that the displaced hatches point to a possible inspection of the cargo and airing of fumes. However, the barrels were damaged, but this could have led to Captain Briggs fearing that his ship was about to explode. Oh, okay. So all of the turbulence, all of the movement, blah, 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 blah. My ship's gone to explode. Well, so jump in the lifeboats and go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, normally a kind of like sea quake um, or sometimes known as like submarine or undersea earthquake um, lead to things like tsunamis as well. Yeah. Um, but that would not, if it was happening kind of directly near or that, it might have missed them. So the idea is just that it would have caused the disruption to the barrels and the barrels would have caused that risk of explosion, um, which is what kind of worries people. How... <sighs> I suppose the question being kind of, you know, like how how likely is it? It's a little bit meh, as theories go. We, we're, I'm kind of more for the, um, on a personal note, I'm more for the um, 
water tornado. Hmm. But anyway, I basically just want to hurry up because my favourite final theory is coming up that it could have been a giant squid. Yes! <laughs> so, let's talk about giant squids. Yes. Uh, giant squids can be as long as 43 feet. That's take a, take a little minute to think about that because when you walk past... Hang on, Mimi, how tall are you? Six foot? Five foot eleven? Uh, yeah, about that. One of the other yeah. It's got to be... Ten. That's longer than a bus. Me? <laughs> Yeah, Mimi is longer than a bus. That's how we that's how we measure her. Forty three. I mean, that's got to be right up there with spaghettified Rhea. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she. Yeah, forty three. Forty three. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big old. It, it's yeah. It's it's a it's a big old long thing. Um, that's what your mum said. Hey. <laughs> hey. Anyway, so yeah, they thought it was a um, giant squid. So it's obviously, I'm now going to talk about giant squids. Um, <laughs> so even more tenuous. They, they are a phenomenon. I guess. They are they a phenomenon. Are natural. And they offer an example of deep sea giganticism. Giganticism. Gigantism. <laughs> Either way. Um, Big and yeah, The kind of 43 feet. <laughs> Um, is measuring from the posterior fin to the tip of the two long tentacles. I was really concerned I was going to say testicles. Um, <laughs> I wish yes. you had. But the giant squid, it's longer than the colossal squid. Don't get them confused. Oh, oh and they're also known as... Kraken. How do you... Yeah, thank you. The Kraken. Um, and is it cephalopods? Yes. Cephalopods. Yeah. Yes. cephalopods. So... Do we think do we think they are likely to attack people? Let's talk about it. Now, in cultural depictions, they're often seen as kind of attacky. So we think of things like the Kraken and 22,000 Leagues attacky. Under the Sea. Oh, you're looking a bit attacky today there. <laughs> and Why they also paint your picture. Um, and can often be seen depicted in culture as battling things like sperm whales. Um, attacks by squids. Not so much. Not particularly common. Um, in fact, there is only one known case of uh, sort of definitively attacked by a squid. Mm. And that oh story in itself has been very questioned and um, blood, blood. Uh, give us, give us a rundown, though. Give yeah, I'm going to give you the story. I'm going to give you the story. Um, so there's lots of there are stories. Sorry, just to tell you first, there are quite a few stories of people being attacked um, by squids. Again, it's hard to tell that whether or not the mauling that they can do with their beaks and the squishing they can do with their tentacles, squishing. much like some sh presumed shark attacks, are actually just the shark being curious. So the squid might just be being curious. Um, Sorry, bro. Just squishing and mauling. <laughs> just want to find out. So um, one uh, cited story is the fact that in 1930, there was a Norwegian tanker and it was reported that it had been attacked by a giant squid um, uh, that had attacked the propeller. And it tried unsuccessfully to grip the ship with its tentacles um, and pull it down under the sea. And because of this attack, somebody fell in and drowned. That somebody, that somebody has not been identified. Uh, <laughs> Albert Einstein. Therefore, <laughs> And then we all clapped. <laughs> yeah. um so whether or not it also, did have 
was the was the ship moving at this time? Because Squiddy grabbing onto a moving propeller, just going for a ride. I mean, spinning around and around like. Yeah, that seems like a natural way to make some like sushi, essentially. Yeah. Shop squid. <laughs> stick my stick my Calamari. tentacles in and yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then we have a giant squid allegedly attacked a raft with survivors from the Britannia in 1941, which had been sunk in the South Atlantic. One of the men was dragged away by a squid and another, Lieutenant Raymond Edmund Grimmily Cox, too many names, managed to narrowly escape the same fate, though suffering tentacle sucker wounds. Oh, can I just ask, did you just say his name was Grimmily Cox? Grimini. <laughs> that's, Lu- that's worse. Lieutenant Raymond Edmund Grimini Cox. I don't think you should be Raymond Edmund. No. no I think that's, that's the most offensive part. Yeah. Oh, really? Raymond Edmund Grimini Cox. <laughs> he has Covered been in quite a lot. Marks. Should probably stop. Should probably stop. Um, so Raymond he- Edmund. <laughs> Um, so he managed to escape but had sucker wounds uh, the chronicle of the survivors was told in 1941 by the london illustrated news uh, which stated that according to the account given to them by cox um, a survivor had first had his legs bitten off by a shark and was then devoured by a giant manta and then somebody else was killed by a giant squid but in 1956 cox himself contacted writer frank lane to tell him his story they required marine naturalist whoever, doesn't matter, John Clousy Thompson, to examine Cox's scars at Birkbeck College. And the former further validated the story, saying that these belong to a 23-foot long squid. This is the story of the only substantiated report of a giant squid actively killing a human. However, lots of people think that it is a little bit unbelievable that you know we have some guy who is has his legs bitten off by a shark and then is tentacle grabbed and drowned by a squid. It squid. sounds like he's I mean, being a, a bit bit fucking dramatic in his death though. It's yeah. also if it is true though, sh- that is got to be my shittest way to go. Like literally having to deal with a shark, legs are then bitten off, then a squid is like dragging you to the bottom of the sea. I so imagine we're... at some point in the proceedings, he he doesn't really know what's going on. Maybe. Um, the whole notion of this the giant squid being aggressive kind of comes from the fact that there are there are aggressive squids. Um, in so much as so we have the Humboldt squid, and they are kind of based in Mexico, and they're referred to as the Red Devil. And lots of kind of fisherman folklore is centred around, you know, people accidentally falling in um, or people being pulled off of boats and then taken down to their, you know, to to their death. But again, there's actually not really anything to kind of back these things up and actually documented squid attacks that we have. People are attacked. They survive. So it doesn't seem Mm. to be like, you know, and the motivation for (laughs) the giant squid attacking is also unknown. Like, why Why would it be like, oh, hey, ship, you're going down and individually get the people from the Mary Celeste? Yeah. <laughs> one by one, like yeah. a slasher stalker film. Exactly. It's It's got like a feather bow on. It's like, hey, why don't you come on down one at a time? I've got a box of donuts down here. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So... There we have three of the more kind of natural phenomena ideas about what happened to the people on the Mary Celeste. And I think we can all agree, in likelihood, 
It's a giant squid with a box of donuts. Uh, mystery solved. Let's yeah. not forget about the feather boa, please. I'm just worried about how soggy it would be. I don't think that would be for a very sharp look. I mean, it the, doesn't the donut's feel... fine. Where, where are the feathers coming anyway. from? Does it make it itself? Could it or is it, it actually seaweed? buying it from the market? It's, it's found it. It's like every Disney film where anything if you live in the sea anything you need floats by and you repurpose it into whatever you need oh okay yeah no i forgot about that yeah hmm. and you did just say repurpose so let's not just glide past that like you didn't say repurpose <laughs> <laughs> moving <my> on story <laughs> it, it was tenuous <laughs> <laughs> i liked it though i love giant squid yeah i gotta love me some giant squid i also do to be fair the Mary Celeste is one of those mysteries that I absolutely love. I also quite love, it's the only time I like something being unsolved um, because I like all the theories around it. Mm. Unlike any true crime podcast mm. that I li- listen to where if I get to midway through being like, oh, hang on a minute, they still don't know who did this. Mm. I just feel endless rage. Yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating, especially if you're like a bit of a completionist where you're like, yeah. I have to know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of need to know that justice happened. Yeah, I have to know. We know I have to know. Yeah. Um, tenuous, Bothwell. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you. Like That's my review. <laughs> I was... will take it. <laughs> Thank you very Incredibly much. Incredibly tenuous. Riha? Yes, it is my turn. So I would like to take you guys to uh, Lake Natron or Natron, because I don't know whether we would call it Natron or Natron. Mm, pick pick one or both. Or uh, yeah, so between. I'm going to go with Natron because that was my natural um, inclination to pronounce it like that. But I heard someone else pronounce it differently. Anyway, I'm going to take you guys there. Um, it's in uh, Tanzania and it is uh, in North Ngorongo district of the Arusha regions. Um, It's pretty shallow. It's less than three meters deep. So, you know, it's It's not like your mum. Yeah, it's not like uh, your mum, who's obviously very deep. Um, (laughs) She doesn't mean in a meaningful way, to be very clear, guys. Uh, and uh, it's about 57 kilometers long and 22 kilometers wide. So uh, yeah, just like your mum. It uh, gets uh, irregular like rainfall um, between December and May. So it kind of changes size so it can get sort of a little bit wider at times. Um, and it's a really it's a really hot lake. So um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's actually fed by volcanic springs, so it gets really fucking hot. So it's not comfortable for most creatures to enter it. Like, <laughs> like your mom. <laughs> so, oh, my dog did not like. The temperatures I've got here are um, that it's frequently above 40 degrees centigrade or 104 Fahrenheit. So that's kind of like your lower end of the temperatures. 40 degrees 
is that that's like a bath isn't it yeah, yeah so it, you could get in there yeah you could get in there um okay. but it, it does get hotter so that's kind of like that's the lower end of the spectrum where you're like okay I'm I'm just about coping this is fine yeah. like yeah everything's okay it's just like a bath I'm having a lovely time and then it slowly boils you yeah it doesn't boil you Uh, but let's let's go on let's talk about it a little bit more so um there is one creature that does live there quite comfortably they are the lesser flamingos uh i don't know where greater flamingos go why throwing shut such shade throwing shade such shade on these flamingos but uh, yeah, apparently scientists fucking hate them. So lesser flamingos it is. <laughs> um, so the bacteria and algae, uh, algae that, oh, that are able to live in this lake are basically what the flamingos live off of and what turns the flamingos pink. So mm. yeah, so the, there's algae and cyanobacteria that um, are dealing with a high uh, kind of alkaline level so they're filtering all this salt and it kind of creates um, a very red colored lake so in summer it might look a little more orangey in winter it might look a little more red and then the flamingo are able to live in here they don't tend to live in the center where it it tends to be the most hot Uh, they tend to be on the edges they can live in the middle if they want to because their legs um you know they're not easily scalded so they don't suffer burns particularly um and and they're just living there happy as larry um eating all their um pink algae and turning pink uh so other animals don't tend to go there and it's partly to do with the heat it's partly to do with the salinity and it's partly to do with the fact that they will get mummified alive. <gasps> what? Dun, dun, dun. what? So I talked a little bit about the fact that the water's um, salinity level. Um, yeah, so it's extremely alkaline. Um, it's a mix of sodium carbonate and baking soda. Uh, and the pH is normally as high as 10.5, so it kind of matches ammonia, basically. So if you are in this water and you stay in this water and you're exposed for a really long time, you will be calcified. So Cheap, cheap, cheaply. Yeah, it's basically it's basically the same chemicals that they used on mummies in Egypt. So they are just drying out every part of your skin and you and you slowly mummify. Mm, So at certain parts of the year, you can go around the lake and it will wash up regularly hundreds of birds that have fallen into this lake and. and die basically (laughs) not got out out. and they mummify in there and then their mummified bodies wash up um and there is actually a photographer called nick brandt and i will share some of the photographs um where he got some of the locals 
in 2013 to go around and collect all these washed up bodies and then he put them on branches and took pictures of them and it's oh, wow. it's really cool like it it looks crazy so the reason why there are so many birds who are falling into this lake is that um i think it's a combination of the properties of the lake um, that basically mean it's very still so it's a, a salt lake and it becomes so reflective that birds are fooled by the surface of the lake and think that they are still flying through air no oh my yeah god death trap lake <laughs> yeah yeah uh and it actually worked on a helicopter <laughs> oh, oh shit yeah in 2007 there were um I think it was a nature program recording from Australia and they the helicopter pilot obviously uh was fooled by the surface of the lake brought them low enough that the yeah like the, the I don't know like brought them low enough that part of the helicopter got kind of tipped and into the lake and then just sort of lost control from there was um the helicopter pilot a finch yeah he might have been a finch it did seem a bit strange that they decided to do that but that's what he did um so i think there were about eight people um in the helicopter and as they fell in uh they were you know they did survive I'll, okay. i won't bury the lead uh it was ridiculously hot in the water it was burning their eyes um, and they, you know, they were suffering from injuries and they were pretty much in the middle of the lake. So um, someone had a broken hip and um, I think possibly a broken leg as well. Uh, but they were able to find some people who lived relatively locally to come and help them, like, pull everyone out. And I think it was probably about a two to three kilometre walk for them to get out of the lake wow what because the lake is so wide and shallow so, so, they, had your mom. so they had to walk <laughs> through this hot soupy water basically to to eventually escape uh if they had decided that they wanted to sit there you know forever <laughs> if they were like fucking hate going on walks honestly <laughs> like no, if it was just... Mimi <laughs> Oh, I hate walking. When you said two to three kilometers, I, I was I was prepared to be mummified right there and then because I won't do that even without a broken hip, leg, and scalding water. <laughs> I mean, would you would you begrudge the walk if you were the one who was being carried? Or um, I it... probably wouldn't have flown into a lake, but I mean, are you a helicopter pilot? I am a finch. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um no I'm not and I just I don't actually know what I would do in a survival situation because there's a lot of my day-to-day -day, literally have an office job where I would just lay down and die if things <laughs> got like it was a minor inconvenience so I feel like I would just be like well this is it this is the end goodbye yeah so that's it really that's my story is that uh Lake Natron is a death trap for uh anything flying apparently with its optical illusion uh of still being air 
but also it'll mummify you. So, uh, woo! I know you've explained the science, but part of me can't wrap my head around the fact that this is like salty AF, but somehow almost transparent to the point that people are like, oh, it's just more air. air. Yeah, I, mean? I I don't entirely understand it myself. So and I also did... that it's red. Yeah, I didn't get it either. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did try to look it up, but like, basically every article was like, yeah, so the reflective surface pulls in these poor, poor birds and also a helicopter pilot, but then didn't really tell me how. So, because I was like, it's red. So, new game surely. show idea. New game show idea. Are you smarter than a finch? <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Take yeah. it to that lake. But that helicopter you... pilot would have lost. Yeah. But like, you know, do you, once you take flight, uh, suddenly not see colours? <laughs> um, I haven't noticed that happen. Well, I mean, because you weren't the pilot. Oh, that's mm. true. Yeah. I definitely would have covered that in the <laughs> Take to the Skies episode. <laughs> that something that happened. Yeah, so guys, have you noticed how when you know, you're flying something, you can't see colour anymore and everything looks really reflective. I mean, yeah. to be fair to him, how many cocktails had he had pre-flight? Uh, ooh, who knows? No. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the end. Yay! Cool. I am going to, once I die, we'll go get dropped in that lake and then I can just have a really cheap mummification and a uh, be all crispy and old forever. Where can we can we can we put you somewhere on display? Just she can continue to hang out with us. We'll just mold her into different shapes How's on the sofa. Oh, like we could at Bernie's. But yes. oh, but mummification worse. at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah. So all you listeners, if any of you have ever dreamt of being mummified but the costs were holding you back, we got you. All you need is right the in. cost of a plane right ticket. <laughs> How are your crafts today? Well, <laughs> well, I loved this week because <sighs> my craft is uh, I drew some shapes and then I copied and pasted them a lot. And I actually really like the effect that I have managed to create. Um, where did you, where is chat. your picture? Yeah, let's I'll see it in the chat. Surely yours is just a big black circle. <laughs> there is in the center. Yes. Let's have a little look-see. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, your quality is a little bit too good. You're oh, going to have to go. I know how, how have you done use. that? Uh, photo- no, I actually used InDesign, weirdly. I was going to use Photoshop, but then I accidentally opened the wrong thing. So <laughs> I've done it in InDesign. And I love a bit of uh, inner glow and outer glow effect. So mm. there you go. There that you glow. Like- that that's oh, a nice a bit of merch right there if I've ever seen some. There you okay. go. I'm gonna send you mine as well to have a look at. It's not as good. Let's just manage our expectations. <laughs> oh no, that is good. Yeah. Have you drawn over another picture again? You know I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works, so doesn't it though? <laughs> Why would you change it? What did what did you use? Uh, so I, there, 
I'll send you the original. I think mine is better than the original, but you know, I think maybe I'm just a massive narcissist. I think Bothwell opens pictures in paint and then draws and over yeah, them. Well, I was mostly asking, did you do that in paint? But I yes. feel like asking that question is quite offensive. Yeah, no, I do do that in paint. I refuse to use anything of a higher caliber. Oh, it's cool. Oh, wow, the source image. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So that's mine. Rhea, what did you make? Uh, uh, I'm trying to show you. Um, <gasps> I can see what it is. It's a flamingo. Oh, it's really oh, good. Yeah. You. yeah. Oh, good shape. Nice. Nice, guys. Um, those very wholesome, lovely crafts today. Yeah. Listeners, if you feel like you want to craft along, I know we moan about it. We're mainly joking. Sometimes it's really fun, especially I really like digital stuff. Yeah, um, me too. I haven't done one yet, but I am going to just do a big black circle for a black hole. <laughs> Sick. So look, you can look forward to seeing that, guys. Um, but yeah, if you do like crafting along while you listen, doesn't have to be the same craft as us. You can do whatever you want. Um, and if you want to share it with us, you can hashtag weirding hour or you can tag us in it on all the socials. We will have a look. And if you want us to, we can share it with the world with our 50 followers or so. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, we got a new one yesterday, so. Ooh. It was a good 51. day. 51. <laughs> Equally, um, if you want to get in contact. Oh. Oh, she's gone. Oh. Or suggestions for crafts for us to try. Ninu, you're going to have to start the sentence. Yeah, you Equally. dropped out. Um, let me know if this I need to go further back than this, but um, equally, if you want to get into contact, did it again? <laughs> <laughs> it does Literally not want to say that sentence, doesn't want to let you say that sentence, Nina. <laughs> Someone else say it. <laughs> we don't know what you want to say. <laughs> the thing you want to say is, equally, if you want to get in, co- <laughs> <laughs> that's all we know. <laughs> Topic and craft suggestions. Email us. Great, done. <laughs> also, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all of that. Save, apparently, share, save, download, save. upload, reload. Matrix reloaded. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't do that. It got. Oh, no. The reloaded, not re- uh, resurrection or whatever it's called. Oh, I don't know. Original trilogy. Oh, yeah, okay. And yes, if you've got topic or craft suggestions for us, you can get in contact with us at our email, which is weirdinghour at gmail.com. And just anything, you can just send us a line, shoot us a line, talk to us, we'll talk to you. One of us will. Maybe. Probably won't be me. Uh, oh, yeah, what crafts are we going to do next week? Does anyone have ideas for that? Um, Finger painting. Yes. Yes, done. <gasps> That is a genius, brand new, shiny su- suggestion. Yay! <laughs> and it's... Next week we're doing ping, ping, fainting. Pinga fainting. Pinga faint with us. <laughs> and the topic we're doing is medical practices. Yes. 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 Topical. Topical. Suggested. Love it. Can't wait for Bothwell to read some uh, academic papers at us. Oh, so (laughs) many. So many. 
If you have enjoyed today and want to know more about that weird freaking lake or a black hole or <laughs> the actual story behind the Mary Celeste, <laughs> then our sources are in the episode show notes. Um, so please do check them out because, as we say every week, we steal our information from other people who've done the research for us. Thanks, other people. Without and you, we couldn't do this average content. <laughs> so thanks, babe. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, it's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure producing this average content for you, and it's nice to know that you care. So thank you for tuning in and making it this far to the end for Ria to say those famous four little Love words. You, bye. <laughs> that was way more aggressive than usual. <laughs> um, and I will say goodbye to you all, my sweet little cutie patooties with all your big juicy booties. Ew. It's just no. me, guys. It, it is just me. So Ew. <laughs> keep your butt juice. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and spread the word. <laughs>